Criterion creeps are coming with Jared and RJ from Renoir to Kurosawa and everything along the way. Highbrow, lowbrow, they won't stop until the This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jarrett Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're prematurely ejaculating all over the place. As we watch Spine 131 in the Criterion Collection, Jerry Menzel's Closely Watched Trains from 1966. But first, RJ, mm. how are things? Ooh, me? Yeah. Why I'm not? pretty good. Why not you? No, me? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's another week. Sometimes li- uh, people's lives aren't interesting. We're not hot shotting around in the big cities, mm-hmm. the New Yorks, the LAs. We don't live as glamorous of lives as everyone else, maybe. Very true. I had to plunge my toilet again today. Wow. Uh, that's what people are here for, right? That's right. Toilet talk. Toilet talk. Actually, I, th- I believe we did get a comment once to increase the levels of toilet talk on this show. So I got to ask you, are you like a wooden seat guy or like a plastic or, you know? I've never had the opportunity to choose, but uh, in recent, it's mostly, I mean, it's a whole lot of plastic. Hmm. Yeah. 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 I saw, there. I was at a house once and the uh, the cushion was like, or the seat was like a cushion. It was like a blow-up mattress. Oh, I, yeah, I've encountered those. It's. Uh, what do you do in that situation? I don't know. It feels really problematic, though, doesn't it? Doesn't that well, doesn't that, doesn't that seem like the exact time you would say, "Boy, this is problematic," as you're sitting there? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like it wouldn't seat. give you enough stability, you know, because I would just sink through that padding and I would just go right onto the bowl, and I feel like that'd be even less comfortable than having a fitted seat. Do you have a fitted seat? We have. We got one made. No, we're renting still. But you know, uh, yeah. any one of these days, one of these days, we might be in the op- in a position to uh, pick and choose what sort of toilet seat we have. Ah, okay. Here's a second question for you, Jared. Yeah. If you were ever to move into a new house, would you buy new toilet seats, or would you be cool with the ones that were there? Or would so, it depend well, on what okay. kind of shape they were in? If I were to buy a new house, it would be a new house, a new to me house. Yeah. So well, what if it owned. was a sixty-year-old, a previously owned sixty-year-old house, and it had no, toilets? I don't care. I wouldn't care unless it's like disgusting and like like something horrible is going on. I don't care. Would you clean it first at least? Uh, probably not. I don't know. You fucking animal. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Hey, this is a good podcast we do about toilets. Absolutely. The toilet. And, and real talks. estate, fantasy purchases. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. mm. It's a slow week, people. <laughs> very, very quiet. Can you feel it? Well, got no emails, got no feedback. Huh? Um, huh? Nothing's rocking in the free world. Um, you know, I go back to work in a week. That's cool. As do I. So, and that, so we'll see if that actually means I have more time 
watch stuff at that point or not. I don't know. We're, we're, we're going to see. Time or less time. Do you have your uh, Creeptober list picked out yet? Oh, fuck no. I haven't even thought about that. Not. I, I not... already have my list for next year started, Jarrett. All right. For next year. Yeah. Well, because I'm not, I'm not this overachieving chump. I don't put too much into my list that I know I can't handle, or else it would be like a hundred right now. Oh. So I got like thirty, forty put into next year's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe actually, you know what? Maybe this year I I might have more time than ever to watch movies. How is that possible? You'll be a student with a backpack over your shoulder and everything. Yeah, but I can do that. I mean, one of the last Creeptobers, I was writing a master's thesis, and I think that was one of my highest watching Creeptobers in the last, like, four years. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I'm just saying, I might watch a lot of movies this year. Mm. You're not my dad. (laughs) Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, Jared, what's up with your life? Fuck, well, I don't know. Nothing. I, I haven't started my Creeptober list, and now that you've mentioned it, now I'm like sweating bullets here. I, I got to get a move on that. Do you I, feel slight, slightly ashamed? No, I just kind of like, oh, mm. I, I haven't thought about that one bit. Hmm. Well, I feel bad for you. Crap. But you know, RJ, it's not like what? I don't have like oh, like 225 films on my standing Creeptober list. That, uh, you know, whenever I see a new mm. horror offering or some obscure gem that's just waiting for me to discover, I throw it on that list and I use that as my uh, uh, consultation. So uh, I've got movies I've bought, some recent ones, things like that Endless. I haven't watched that mm-hmm. yet. And now it's like, oh, it's already October. I guess I'm also wait another month. And then maybe uh, I'll get back into the fold of uh, just being a, like, compulsive film viewer. Mm. But I don't know. Well, or not. the people... Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. I'll, just, I'll just like watch garbage shit on YouTube and, uh, you know, call it a day. Like the rest is, of these assholes in the world. Is that what you did this time? That's what I've been doing for like a couple months. <laughs> mm. Well, I guess we'll get into that with that tantalizing teaser of tales of interest to come. That's right. Hey, RJ. What? What you been creeping on then? Uh, I watched some stuff this week, Jarrett. I watched a few things. So I'm not sure which order I should go in. Should I leave the... Uh, hmm. Whatever you want to do, baby. There's no right or wrong answer. There's no right or wrong? Okay, well, I'll, I'll just go in chronological order. Uh, I went to the theater last week, and I saw what might be one of the worst movies I've seen in recent years. Ooh. I watched Mile 22 oh my God. by Peter Berg. You know him. Director of Hancock and Mile 22 and Battleship yep. and other Mark Wahlberg movies. <laughs> That's right. So I was kind of drug along to this thing. It wasn't really my choosing. Do you know anything about this Mile 22, Jarrett? Uh, I know that I remember there's a bunch of ads for it when I was watching a UFC pay-per-view like a month or so ago. And, Mike, and, and that Marky Mark's in it. Okay, well, here's the tagline. Option one, diplomacy. Option two, military. Meet option three. So I have a very simple review on my letterbox that I'll share with you here because I think it's actually pretty accurate and it might be my best review ever. Uh, My review for this movie was make autism great again uh, because let let me just detail what this movie is about, Jared. 
So you have a um, super secret team of military fixers. So they get sent into situations that need to be kept under wraps. They're secret and they need to go do stuff that no one else can do. Think of them as the B team for uh, Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible unit. So you got Mark Wahlberg, uh, Laura Cohen, Ronda Rousey, uh, some dude. And uh, they're the ground team. And then a thousand miles away, or some horseshit, uh, you have the computer team, led by John Malkovich. Yeah, that's right, Jarrett. They got John Malkovich in this thing. So you got him. John Malkovich leads the computer guys, and they like tell or they like watch by satellites and have drones, and they tell the people where to go. And then these people go in. So this movie. You see, like, it starts out and you see, like, an operation they do where they take down, like, a Russian safe house or, like, drug terrorist house. Like, they're making bombs or something. And you're like, all right, I get it. Uh, and then you see them at their base in some kind of, like, Indonesian. It's like an Indonesia, Indonesian United States office. What are those called? Do you know what, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, sure. What those things are called? Yeah. So anyways, this takes place in Indonesia because it has the guy from the like, raid. Like you, are you talking about like an embassy? Yeah, that's what I mean. An <laughs> embassy. So they're at like the, the U.S. embassy in Indonesia. Okay. And uh, there's some kind of drug that is like more powerful than a thousand nuclear bombs or something like that. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the severity of the situation. Uh, and then you find out that the guy who is the lead in all the raid movies, he is like an inside man. He's an informant, but he he's keeping something from him, them. So they bring him in. But then once he comes in, uh, all of the Indonesian government is trying to kill him and get him out. So this fixer team is like, oh, shit, this guy must be pretty serious. We got to get him out of the country so he can tell us where that super secret or super powerful powder is. So uh, they have to drive him to a plane that will take him out of the the country, and then he'll tell them where this nuclear pow- uh, powder is. And the 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 embassy to the plane is twenty two miles. Uh-huh. You, see, you see what they did there, Jared? And did you think so? When that was said in the theater, did anyone in the theater go, "Oh, that's the title of the movie"? That's the title of the movie. Actually. Uh, we were two of four attendants for that film. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't think the other two people were very interested in it either. So, Did you pay uh, premium first-run theater prices for this bad boy? Or uh, did you get to uh, see this at uh, the second run? Uh, this was premium theater, but I didn't use real money to go to this movie. I used scene points, which feels like a waste now. But yeah. uh, as I said, I was kind of talked into this, so... What are you going to do? This is that dip right near the end of the summer where nothing yeah, yeah, yeah. but garbage comes out. Anyways. Like Scott so Pilgrim yeah. and The Expendables. Scott Pilgrim's not a bad movie. I don't know. It did come out at the end of uh, summer, though. Is The Expendables a bad movie? Mm, it's not a very good movie. Okay. It's, 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 it's the type of movie it is. And at the time when I watched it, I was kind of like, eh, this could have been so much better, more fun, but it wasn't. I- Scott I want to watch the pretty good though. Scott Pilgrim's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I want to watch that Expendables with Mel Gibson in it. Yeah, I, I we'll know. talk about that one day. So, anyways, this movie, Mile Twenty Two, Jared. Uh, this movie 
is like some kind of weird pro-Trump, pro-mental illness making you super soldier type deal. So Mark Wahlberg plays a guy who has autism basically and it makes him like really good (laughs) at attention to detail. It's just like that movie The Accountant. But they never say they never actually say he has autism in this. They just imply it. I love that this is like a thing now in Hollywood. That like autism equals like people who are super good at like being soldiers. People with autism can be heroes too. Let's make a movie about a guy with autism, but he's but he's but he has something to bring, offer and bring to the table. Unlike you, mm-hmm. what you assume are just useless human beings because they're garbage. Unlike us. So let's let's write a movie where they're the superhero and give them something to aspire to because that's all I've read about it online. It says mm-hmm. this cynical screenwriter and Hollywood producer. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Let's see who wrote this thing. Big, big autism baby. Uh, a guy who has no other lighting Fuck. or two two people who have no other writing credits. Oh. So I think I think those are uh, some Alan Smithies and uh, this Peter Berg actually wrote this fucking thing. Mm. Um, so anyways, Mark Wahlberg has autism. They never actually say that, but it's implied. You get this like flashback thing where he's a kid and he's getting tested for stuff and oh. he has like some of the behavioral traits. Yeah. <clears throat> Mark Wahlberg doesn't know how to act in this movie because the script has him so all over the place he's either like a zero out of ten or a ten out of ten and like people are like oh he's bipolar and then one guy's like it's actually he's more manic depressant and then the other guy's like i think he's just crazy he's like he's all over the place and it doesn't really fit with what i think they're trying to say he is so like that's that's one bad thing to begin with they're like they don't know what mental illness to give this guy to make him a superhero so they're just like they bounce around and he he's all over the place and then this movie is like this weird like i don't know it's 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 like this conspiracy theorist type stuff where so one element of this movie is it jumps around on how they show the movie it's either like just a normal camera or it's security cameras and then it cuts to other like cell phone video and then it cuts to like Mark Wahlberg being interviewed at the end at the end of the movie but they have it throughout the movie he's like I didn't know what was going to happen nobody knew what was going to happen let me tell you so it like it starts with that and then it cuts back to him being interviewed all the time and like him voiceovering stuff that happens and there's parts in this movie where he's like he says stuff and I'm not even kidding like verbatim he's like you don't know what the meaning of collusion is you don't know about hacking it's like, you think Russia knows hacking? He's like, you don't know what's going on in this world, man. And then it'll cut to like an American flag flying. And I was like, what is this? Like, who who is this movie for? <laughs> I guess people who are like, you don't know what collusion is. You don't know what hacking is. So there's like stuff like that. And I was like, that's really weird. Uh, but then, so the other thing I don't like is there's all this stuff with it bounces around between like security footage and like all it's like, just do one thing. You're not good at jumping between these things. Uh, okay. What else is there? Um, this guy is, so he got the guy from the raid because he has like a bunch of big action scenes in this. He, this might be the, the worst fighting director I've ever seen because the way he films fighting, um, it's just like, it's super close up and the camera's shaking. So like, you can't see, 
Like, it, I think that guy from the raid was doing really cool fighting stuff, but you can't see of any of it because mm. it's either so close up that you don't know what's going on or the camera's moving so fast. You're just like, I can't see anything. So uh, it's it's really poorly done on the action side there. And this is an action movie. So there you go. Uh, and then the last thing, this has one of the worst, dumbest, like, double fake outs at the end uh and i'm gonna spoil this for people so like they get the guy on on the plane and john malkovich and then you find out like all the team is getting killed and they find john malkovich and john malkovich is like he wasn't a double agent he was a triple agent and then he gets shot and it's like slow mo he's like ah, ah, ah. and he like falls down and then it just cuts to like that guy and he's like, <laughs> and it, it like the whole reason for it was that one of the, the people they killed in the Russian like terrorist operation at the start was the son of like some kind of Russian diplomat. So this was an elaborate ruse to like get back at this secret team. You know, what's a good movie, RJ. That's what's that? like, uh, <laughs> not like this shit. Well, yeah, Spartan's awesome. Uh, the Kremlin letter. Uh, is that a good thing? Yeah, that movie's awesome. It's it's yeah. a total. Uh, it's it's a it stars John Huston. I think it's actually directed hmm. by him too. It's a totally obscure movie that like Twilight Times put out uh, like years ago, and it's like just on DVD. And I kind of just watched it. Kind of was like, oh, I like seventies kind of uh, espionage kind of gritty thrillers. And that mm-hmm. movie's like so well made and like vicious and brutal and does those double crosses like intelligently and i already know i I can already see mile 22 in my uh my uh my with my third eye as you describe Mm -hmm. it and it's just like this is everything i hate about movies because you get like oh let's get john malkovich everyone likes that guy and uh and he just gets to be thankless and collect a paycheck and i i don't Mm -hmm. need to pay to watch that ever i'm surprised he uh agreed to do this but i guess john malkovich doesn't he doesn't care as long as he gets paid. That's right. As long as the check clears. So this is one of the worst movies I've seen all year for sure. Yeah. But uh, even outside of that, this movie was just real bad, Jarrett. Stinko. So, so after that, uh, I watched some actually good movies. Oh. And yeah. And uh, it was because uh, I was talking to this guy I know about Creeptober. And I was talking about how I had my list ready. And the guy said how I still have a big pile of movies from last Creeptober Creeptober that weren't watched. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what his deal is. Like, I don't know why he can't just give me stuff. S- stop complaining about it. But uh, whatever. So I was like, you know what? I'm in the mood. I'll, I'll start dipping into these because I only have like 10 maybe. So I watched a couple, uh, some horror movies, Jarrett. Some of, ah. J- some of Jarrett's horror movies. Jarrett's horror movies. Yeah. One, one, one of which, uh, in the time that you've had the DVD, I've actually upgraded to a, a brand new Blu-ray of it that came out like a month ago. Which one was that? Dagon. Oh, cool. So I can just keep Dagon then, eh? Yeah, you could, you could keep, <laughs> I think, probably. Actually, you know what, though? I'm just uh, kidding. Th- this is like a side note. Um, so this Blu-ray. I pre mm-hmm. I pre-ordered this thing because if you don't pre-order stuff on Amazon, uh, mm-hmm. after they release the prices on these things skyrocket and they're way yeah. too expensive. So um, I pre-ordered this blind, expecting this is gonna be some quality release from Vestron Collector Series because they charge mm-hmm. like 35, 40 bucks for this shit. And uh, I haven't even gone into this thing yet, but uh, I've been uh, hearing that it's got some real bad uh, restoration going on with the picture. 
Oh, yeah. so the D- the DVD is the way to go then. It's po- well, I think it might still look better uh, in HD, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's apparently very waxy because they use a lot of uh, DNR, mm. and uh, so it's just like it's not as good as it should be. So, yeah, that, that's a, a piss off. Yeah, it's a bit of a piss off, I guess. But yeah. uh, you know why? Because Dagon rules. Yeah, Dagon. I thought Dagon was wicked. I I I, I think Dagon's probably still the best Lovecraft movie at this point? Uh, Yeah, I haven't seen a whole lot, but... So, this is directed by Stuart Gordon, who's uh, our close personal friend, and he's done lots of Lovecraft stuff, like Reanimator and From Beyond. Um, And this is actually... So, I I, I gotta say, I think I like Dagon better than Reanimator and From Beyond. I I definitely do. So, I haven't seen Castle Freak yet. That's also a Lovecraft story, isn't it? Kind. Or kind of. Loosely. Loosely, yeah. Because it's based on the Outsider story. But it's like, it's very different than that short story. It's a short story and it's just a movie that, yeah. yeah, It's very different. Like that, like, I mean, um, my praise for Castle Freak uh, comes from Mm -hmm. the fact that it is like top shelf, full moon. Uh, action uh-huh. like mm-hmm. it's so much better made than anything from Full Moon. Uh, mm-hmm. That and uh, Pit and the Pendulum, which are both Stuart Gordon films. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. No Dagon. Go, yeah, you can go ahead. But yeah, no, I, I just watched that like a year or so ago, and mm-hmm. um, there's there's some dodgy CGI bits and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and then you have the um, oh, what's his what's his name uh, actor. From like the, Reanimator, the main guy. Yeah, he's kind of like Paul uh, Ezra Godin. Yeah, no, that can't be him. No, no, but that's like the but the guy in Reanimator, uh, Jeffrey Combs. He very, oh the, yeah, the Ezra guy's very much like, hi, I'm I'm young Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> yeah, they're like we couldn't get Jeffrey Combs. He's too old now, and uh, but we got this guy instead, who looks a lot like him. Yeah, I actually thought for a minute I thought it was Jeffrey Combs yeah. in like prosthetics. I was like, did they make him young in this? And then I was like, oh wait a minute, that's not him. But uh, yeah, no, Dagon is wicked good. Uh, you probably talked about this on a Ghoul School like last year or the year before maybe. But uh, it's a Lovecraft story. Shadow, it's about, Shadow like, over, Shadows over Isensmith. Is that what it's called? It's a little yeah. It's a little. I mean, it's it's translated to Spain mm-hmm. or like Europe or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's kind of that idea of like a, a coastal town that has a, a weird thing going on with like mm-hmm. interbreeding going on between uh, fish men and humans. Um, I think this was the inspiration for uh, uh, what the fuck was that? <laughs> uh, Shape of Water. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people having sex with fish in this thing. Yep. So uh, I think that was his inspiration because it made him real hot. Um, no, yeah, so it's like a little town and outsiders come to it and people in the town are real weird and they got weird, wacky beliefs, Jarrett, let mm-hmm. me tell you. Um, no, yeah, it, it does have some bad CGI, but I thought it was, they didn't use it enough for it to really bum me out because right. there's like two, two, three scenes with it and I was like, Ugh, that's pretty bad. Yeah. But the the majority of the movie, like 80% of it, is just practical stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think they do that really well. Like all the fish hybrid people, I think uh, I think that stuff looks awesome. There's a couple that look really cool. Uh, there's scenes in this movie where there's like human skins like nailed up on canvases or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Um, it's a really well told story. Like, yeah, like, cause like, there's like the stuff where like the, the way that the streets are shot and people walking mm-hmm. around and 
you get the sense that like you're being watched and you're like like it's just like compared to like so many movies like it it's like this is like a really well told movie mm-hmm. and like it doesn't like it feels good like watching it like and then it builds up mm-hmm. and like yeah like i said there's some definitely some questionable dodgy bits of uh we were like oh man if this movie had like a few million dollars more mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no that's the thing it's like Stuart gordon's such a good director that you can tell <clears throat> he got money oh, sorry i just coughed right into the microphone he got money for this movie and i think he gave it all to the uh the prosthetics and like sure the practical effects but uh no yeah he's he's awesome at um the way he introduces you to the town and like builds up what these people are and just lets it play out yep. uh, this movie is also uh for a movie about fish people uh you feel really wet and cold all the time in this movie because it's raining all the time clammy yeah they're real real clammy uh so that's really cool uh, I don't know. I, I don't have like a ton to say, but I really I really liked the way the fish people looked. Mm-hmm. And I thought it had some awesome like horror uh, elements to it. Like the 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 human skins I thought was really cool. Right. And uh, just I don't know. I, I liked the ending like it. Um, it's nice and dark and apocalyptic. It, it yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's dark and apocalyptic, but I like the build up to it. And then it's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> and like. I don't know. I think the ending is is really good, actually. And uh, I can't wait for you to get um, your Blu-ray of Hereditary and uh, see see if you like that movie or not. Because I would put uh, Dagon up there with it a little bit. Well, not really, mm-hmm. not not at all. But uh, um, what, 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 one more week, I think, till it's out or something like that. Yeah, I want to see if uh, I'm sure I could find a copy now online too with ease. I want to see what you think because it's like I said. Uh, my viewing was ruined for that movie, but out of, outside of that, I was like, I don't know, three and a half. Yeah. There's the one movie that I don't think you've watched yet. Uh, it's also like a European movie, uh, Dark Water, Dark Waters. Um, uh, the Japanese one? No, it's uh, it's also kind of like a Lovecraftian uh, movie. It's like shot in like Eastern Europe on this island. Mm-hmm. In like, it's like in the middle of like a war-torn like film production film shoot and uh yeah it gets very kind of similar kind of like isolated people and there's like mysteries going on it's a really well made movie it's probably like it's like less on the actiony side that Stuart gordon kind of goes on but like it's like really like i i thought it was awesome it had some really good like use of practical effects in that uh uh in quote unquote eldritch horror um Uh, you should uh i think i you probably uh wish listed it last year when i watched it because um what was it called dark waters Dark Waters. Dark Waters. Oh, are- yeah, I did. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Should I put that in Creeptober this year or I, what? I think you should. Okay, well, do you have that movie? I, I do have that on Blu-ray. Oh, you, you, that, you, that makes you, it easier. Yeah, you, you better get your list together because uh, if, if I'm moving in the next couple months, it's going to be harder to get access to those vids. I, I'll send that son of a bitch to you right now. Awesome. I'll look at it right. after we record. After we, Yeah, I don't do other things when we're recording. That's right. So continue. So Dagon, Dagon, good movie. So yeah, it's yeah. I don't have a ton to say. I thought Dagon was really cool, really cool, and uh, that's about it. I don't know if you have anything else to say. I don't want to spoil it for people. It's just it's real wet. It's got wicked fish people and it's got skin. Yeah. So uh, all the good things that people need. So I watched another good movie, Jared. This one it wasn't borrowed from you, but I had another dip with our good pet friend S. Craig Zoller. Uh, this is the, I have now seen all of the movies he has written so far. Mm-hmm. 
so I watched this because after the Puppet Master fiasco, uh, I was like, hmm, there's one movie of his that he also wrote that I'm going to check out. Right. And I, I looked into this guy a little bit more. He's been around Hollywood for a really long time. He's got 20 scripts that have been bought by movie production companies, and they've only ever made like two. And I think it's only since only now since uh, Bone Tomahawk, Bone Tomahawk yeah. came out and like he actually kind of made one himself. People are like, oh, yeah, we should. Uh, they're like, we have a script of his. Why don't we make it? Which like I think was the reason the Puppet Master one came out. Like I said, mm-hmm. like he probably like wrote it years ago just as a whatever made like a writing practice or, or something. But there's a bunch of movies like slated to come out eventually. Uh Leo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio owns one of his scripts. So anyways, I watched this movie, Jarrett, that came out seven years ago, 2011, called The Incident. Uh, but it's also known as Asylum Blackout. <laughs> so I don't it's it's just one of those weird things. Right. Some places it was called The Incident. Some places it was called Asylum Blackout for whatever for whatever reason. Um so this was made by a movie called uh, Alexander Cortez, and it's the only movie he's ever made. And I think it's a real shame because I actually thought this movie was really good. Like, hmm. I watched Dagon, and then I watched this, and I was like, man, I'm on a hot streak right here. Mm-hmm. I bounced around a lot on what to rate this, but ignore ratings. I'm just going to tell you, this movie's really good for a bunch of reasons. It takes place in, like, mid-'80s or something, and you have these four guys that are in a band and at night they play shows um, like they play shows trying to make it as a band. And at day they are the uh, cooks at a, an insane asylum. So you don't like really you don't hmm. see this at first. You see you're introduced to them and they're all kind of prepping food for the day. And you see that they're all friends with each other uh, for the most part. And they're all kind of they got good chemistry. You're like, yeah, these guys seem like they're friends. And then you see them at night and they're playing shows and then you see them again and they're prepping food. And then eventually you find out that they make they're the cooks for this insane asylum. So they prep the food all day. And then at lunchtime and dinner, whatever, this big like uh, peck of roll shutters security fence rolls up. And then it's like the insane asylum cafeteria and they feed these guys. So. There's a couple guys that they're friends with, and then you see there's a a lot of the times there's inmates or not inmates, I guess, patients that kind of lose it. And these guys don't really know what to do because they're not they're just cooks. So that's kind of so. okay. so there's the cooks there. And then one day uh, there is a big like thunderstorm and the generators go out and all the power goes out in this thing. So um, all the doors are based on like uh scan like card scans and stuff like that so everyone's kind of just stuck so there's like half of the uh patients are in the cafeteria and the lights go out so they're stuck in there with these cooks in the kitchen that's what this movie is about uh i thought uh i think we we don't bust this out a lot but i thought this was some fine artisan film craft here uh i think they do a really good job in this movie using like lighting to kind of add to the atmosphere and the situation Uh, because there's a lot of uh, a lot of scenes where it's just black and there's like guys kind of shuffling around and you can kind of see them move because there's there's like a little bit of light but you can't really see what's going on and I think it's a really good way that they build up uh, the tension 
and there's a lot of like implied stuff that goes on because they'll like pass a cell and you'll hear it you'll hear what's going on but you can't see it and they do that quite a bit and i think that's it's one of those like old horror things i guess where it's like the monster you don't see is always scarier than the one you do profound yeah yeah that that kind of thing but i think it actually it's effective here uh it works good like they don't do it a ton but there's a few scenes where you don't see what's going on but the um but you can hear it and i liked it um also one thing that i think makes this movie really good is uh whoever the extras were for this movie i think are awesome they have uh really good like subtle body language that makes you think like it's like yeah these guys kind of seem like they are all like mentally unsound and they should be in this place. So I think the extras are awesome. Uh, and the one guy I think who is like a big actor in this movie is that guy who's friends with Rob Zombie, Richard Brake. He was Joe chill in Batman begins. And, uh, he, he's been in, uh, I think he's in that Rob Zombie movie 31 as like the lead guy. I don't know. He's a Rob Zombie guy. Uh, that guy's one of the inmates. He's really good. So this movie, it's just about these guys trying to like get out of this place, and uh, I liked it. I thought it was really good. That's good. I was, it was a nice. It was a nice little surprise, I guess. Yeah, I remember seeing this movie when I was looking up uh, old uh, S. Craig Zoller and being mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, that could go either way. That could be a real one of those obscure little piece of shit movies that no one talks about because it's not very good. Or it could be a nice little movie that no one talks about because no one knows it exists. Yep. I think it's the latter. Um, I don't know. I liked it. I think you would probably like it. Yeah. Cool. So maybe I'll, yeah, the, uh, it, I'll add it to my watch list. Oh, you should. It'll be the first one in there. That's right. Um, yeah. So the incident or asylum blackout. And then I watched one more creeptober esque pick. This is a JFD pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched a French film called Ogroff, or uh, I think Mad Mutilator. The Mad some place, Mutilator, yes, yeah, right. Some places. I think you could probably speak to this movie better than I could, uh, because I w- I had no idea what this was. No, you like <laughs> you. Were, I think I remember like, what the fuck is this? You asked me while it was in your possession. I was like, mm-hmm. it's like you asked me you wanted to watch it, and uh, you, you you didn't know what it was. It's another in those long line of movies that I ask for and I forget or I put it in my watch list and I forget why it's there and then I watch it. So the only reason I watched it this week was because the cover looked like it was like a summer camp slasher. And I was like, it's still summer. I could watch this right now. So this is a French movie. Yes. And uh, it's I'll I'll tell you what I think this is and you can tell me if I'm right. It's a French movie from filmmakers who had zero money. And they they wanted to make this big horror movie that was all sorts of stuff. And there's no there's almost no dialogue in this thing. And it bounces around a lot between different genres, not genres, like different types of horror movies. So it's guys who liked horror movies and it's got a lot. It actually has a lot of pretty good gore. Uh, And then it takes like. It takes like six different turns here. Like it starts out as a slasher film and then it for like five minutes, it's almost like a rom-com between like the slasher and this girl that he likes. And then it's a zombie movie and then it's a vampire movie and it's kind of all over the place. Uh, At one time, a guy like jerks off a hatchet for like five minutes. So 
I don't know. Uh, I thought this movie was fine. Like, for an ultra low budget movie, I was like, hey, they got some nice score in here. And they obviously are fans of the genre, I think. Um, like, it didn't blow my dick off or any means. But I think if you watch it with some guys, I think it would be funner. So, Ogroff. What do you know about Ogroff? Well, uh, Ogroff uh, is a film that was released on DVD uh, in North America mm-hmm. by a, a company called Videonomicon. They mm-hmm. are based out of uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, Chanel actually knows one of the owners of Videonomicon, and it was okay. very. I found it very amazing that uh, that they were putting out this like obscure kind of like. Uh, famous, infamous, lo-fi, super eight shot French film that mm-hmm. like just exists on video is like this weird, like, isn't this movie fucked up kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And they put it on DVD. Um, one of the guys uh, did the covers, uh, John, uh, I think I got the, I didn't get the one cover he did, but uh, he's kind of uh, starting a little art career, making gallery stuff, doing drawings Ooh. and doodlings and stuff like that. That's all. This, that's all beside the point. So Ogroff was just one of those movies that I came across on Letterboxd. Um, it, it fits the aesthetics of uh, <laughs> Murder Drone, mm-hmm. uh, just like these like kind of weird like sci like not sci fi uh, slasher movies that are being made, kind of like with no money through the eighties in the nineties of just like because mm-hmm. it's like one of the easiest things to shoot with a bunch of friends. All you need is like uh, a mask, uh, a weapon, some young people, and like a location be it the woods because mm-hmm. so no one sees you doing stuff messing around um and horror fans are amongst the mo- the least discerning uh fan base you could probably go along with so if you can mm-hmm. supply them with enough uh visual splendor be it like good practical effects and gore and stuff like that and uh unusualness people will be more accepting of that whereas if you try to make like a drama like an actual like let's make a drama like a tale about i don't know your dad dying uh, or like real, your relationship stuff. It's like mm, mm-hmm. you better have, you have to have some pretty fucking talented people under your uh, wing to like carry that shit. And you better be a really good writer and uh, know what you're doing to pull that off. Horror though, mm-hmm. you can get a lot away with a lot more and uh, actually have a marketplace uh, to sell that stuff to, because there's not mm-hmm. a lot of people going out of their way that are like not horror movie fans that are into dramas going out of their way to watch like, $10,000 small indie movies, right? Like mm-hmm. that's just not what the, the, the sales part of filmmaking is. So autograph kind of exists out of that, but it's like, it's not a movie that a lot of people are going to be like, that, I really got a lot out of this movie. <laughs> like most normal mm-hmm. human beings would just be like, what, the, what is this shit? Um, and I mean, that's not a far off term to use it, but RJ, for me, this movie is amazing. I I kind of figured you would really like this movie. I love how simple it is. I love mm-hmm. that it's just like it cuts right to the chase. There's no mm-hmm. fucking around. It's just about this fucking murder hobo who has like mm-hmm. a walk wanders around the the woods and just kills women, children, whoever. It doesn't matter. He's nice. no he's no claim. And it's like little mm-hmm. so you get all these like series of vignettes. And again, okay, I'm going off of my memory of this because it's been a while yeah. since I watched it. And I've only seen it once. But it's just like these little things of him just killing people and then killing someone else. And it's a different situation. And he kills them too. And he just kills, kills, kills. And then he meets mm-hmm. but then he meets the right girl. And they try <laughs> they try it out. They try settling down. Maybe he's mm-hmm. he's past his murder and ways. But then all those people he's killed, they start coming back. Just like in Maniac with Joe Spinell. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, yeah, and then undead things happen. It's all like like one location kind of thing, and it's just got that low, grimy vibe. The visuals, because of the way it's shot, are kind of like more striking than like a well-photographed movie are, just because it's just like it feels like a home video, and so it kind of mm-hmm. feels closer to home, like you might have accidentally come across this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then like it doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, it's got again that that murder drone sound, that like that like kind of low audio quality of some like very simple beats, no dialogue. Uh, it's just exactly what it is. Very unpretentious. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who directed this, he went on to direct this uh, movie called Operation Las Vegas. Hmm. I think it's called. Uh, it which, no, well, it's been who you ask. I, I thought it was very enjoyable. Uh, I believe a, a friend of mine, Corey, was not a fan and regarded mm. it very poorly. Um, mm-hmm. in, yeah, N.G. Mount is the French director's name. He's directed mm-hmm. such movies as Dinosaur from the Deep, Trepanator, Alien Platoon, Operation Las Vegas, uh, mm. and the Edgar it- Allan Poe Syndrome, and Hemophilia. So this is his wheelhouse. Uh, mm-hmm. Alien Platoon sounds cool. It, I, I bet it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's on Operation Las Vegas. Um, yeah, this is what this is all. Uh, what, this is Shitima. This is mm-hmm. it's, it's a mm-hmm. it's a god awful action movie that like doesn't give a shit about anything. It's just every but it's like more honest to me than a lot of like stuff that people get really super ironic about. If that makes sense, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, it's it's the right kind of stupid for me. But yeah, Alien Platoon looks pretty boss. Look at that, like, kind of pig mask looking alien. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's up your alley. Yeah. See, we'll get you into Creeptober yet. We just yeah. need some Alien pl- Platoon oh, pigs. One, one of the reviews here from uh, from uh, fucking movie master Zach Carlson. Oh. He says, there is no alien in this movie. What? Yeah. That's a load of horse shit. Oh, and he wouldn't lie. Oh shit! This movie started. Mm. This movie got has John Rolone on it. Fucking director John Rolone. I don't know what any of that means, but uh, oh, I uh, you, I believe you, you, that you'll you, get this movie for us, and we'll you, watch it. You, you got to go back and listen to some uh, some uh, Creeptober shit. You got to go back to the Ghoul Schools because I talked about John Rolone a lot. So I find nah. it interesting that uh, he's actually in these movies as an actor. Mm. Uh, big if true. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Mad Mutilator. Check it out. Um, check it out. <laughs> Try it out. Hey, RJ. I watched, I watched a movie today. You did? Yeah. I watched a movie called The Telephone. A real movie? A movie called The Telephone Book. Was it a real movie, though, or I was did. it a, a fake movie? It's a real movie uh, from Vinegar Syndrome. Mm. Uh, this movie was not exactly what I was expecting. So, yeah, Vinegar Syndrome, the guys that put out a bunch of hardcore porn amongst other random weird movies. <laughs> this movie is kind of in between there, more on the weird side of stuff. Yeah. Uh, this is a story about a young woman living in New York, the the rotten apple itself. And uh, she is getting obscene phone calls from a man who knows. From who? From a man, a mystery man, goes by the name of John Smith. And uh, he really knows how to turn her crank. And she's never been that excited before by uh, anything. And so she wants to find this guy. And uh, all she has to go off of is that this guy's name is John Smith. And uh, to look in the telephone book to find the John Smith in New York. 
So that takes some time. She gets a mm-hmm. lot of phone calls. She finds one John Smith who's like just a, a general uh, uh, d- degenerate stag film performer who gets women to come stag over. Stag film. Yeah. So he's this, this man who gets ladies to bang him on camera. Seems to be a, like Jared. Seems to be a good hustle to have. Um, and then, mm. turn, but then she finds out that this is not the guy that she was seeking. Uh, she winds up running into, um, I'll just say the, the actor who played Harcourt Mud from Star Trek, the original series, um, okay. which like, if you don't, you're, you're not in the know RJ, cause you still have, no. you, you've made the fatal error in your life of not, uh, diving deep into Star Trek, the original series. And I think at this Do age. Do you want me to? Yeah. Well, 100%. Like it's, it's some of the. It's the greatest television show. Okay, well, ever. we'll have we'll have a vote. Do people want me to watch Star Trek, or should I play Metal Gear, or should I watch those DBZ movies again, or Twilight Zone, or any number of shows, or maybe finish The Wire? Well, there's too much stuff to do, dude. I know. I'm a, I'm more than aware. Uh, anyway, Star Trek. So, Harcourt Mudd is just one of those guys. It's it's kind of hilarious hearing him going like, "That's a nice piece of cunt," and you go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." <laughs> Uh, that's that. This is that kind of movie. Um, it's it's a comedy. Um, mm-hmm. that kind of like gets all apocalyptic near the end. Uh, there's a, there's a guy rocking the pig mask look. Uh, he's kind of like he's the guy making the obscene phone calls. There's a lot of uh, monologuing of him, just mm-hmm. ex- explaining how good he is at what he does, which is getting people sexually excited on the phone. Uh, oh Yeah. Just like us. Yep. And uh, by the end of the movie, it almost like turns into like American Belladonna of sadness. Oh, um, where, where it doesn't have like the beautiful like uh, anime art that that movie has, but this is like that mm-hmm. ugly American like psychedelic art, and it's just a bunch of like bushes and penises and like that kind of like stuff, and it's just like uh, I don't like this. What, what did you say was in there? Bushes and penises. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Penises. Okay, that's enough. So, uh, yeah, this movie, I, I don't know what I was expecting. I kind of was maybe hoping for like more of like a weird kind of thriller as she's like kind of like moving her way through the the seedy underbelly of New York. But it seems to be very light. And like there's mm-hmm. these uh, interludes with like, I guess, uh, either actors or genuine degenerates as well confessing their obscene phone calls that they've made. It's a very loose movie. There's a sequence with like uh, this, I guess, assume gay man who's just like talking about life, giving some mm-hmm. some hard facts while there's like a young man like laying belly down uh, on his desk. And he's just like mm-hmm. kind of like playing with his ass as he's delivering this discuss- this. Talk. He's doing what? Playing with this, this young man's ass. As you do. Wow. Yeah. This, this is, and he's just talking at you, straight talk. Kind of, kind of had that Jess Franco vibe at times. Fast. My, my, my. Yeah, very, very uh, strange movie. It's all black and white up until the end when it gets all apocalyptic and uh, where a young woman gets her mind blown and left for dead in, from, in from, what obscene, way? from obscene phone calls. In what way is her mind blown? Because she's put into a vegetative state. Or maybe she's dead. She's left for dead by a man in a pig mask over the phone. That's the ending. Spoilers. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, this is a uh, this is some highfalutin cinema. Highfalutin. I I saw one person on Letterbox describe this as Fellini esque, to which I was like, no, uh, 
No, I don't think you know what words mean. <laughs> you should tell them that. Yeah. I don't um, think you know what words mean. Yeah. And then so, your voice cracks. So, I mean, this, this this is what happens when you say, hey, Jared, you haven't watched any movies. And I go, okay. Maybe this is hey, why. Hey, hey, maybe, hey. Maybe, maybe this is why I haven't. If you had asked me, I would have given you some movies to watch. Like Mile 22. Yeah. You could go see that Melissa McCarthy Sesame Street movie. Sweet Jesus, no. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Well, that's it for my creeping. Uh, I, th- I feel like cool. it's pr- it's real creepy. Uh, hey, RJ, what, what, what news do you got for us this week? Apparently in the last 24 hours, it was announced that Alec Baldwin was going to be Thomas Wayne in the Joker movie, the yep. Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Yeah. And a couple hours ago, it was announced that Alec Baldwin has left the role of Thomas Wayne in the uh, Joker movie. Wow. So I don't know what's going on there. It's almost like someone jumped the gun. I think it's almost like things shouldn't be reported on anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember like there was a big thing a while ago because they're like Robert De Niro is going to be in it, and they hired a bunch. They hired a bunch of comics. And like Martin, like Scors- Mark- and Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese was going to like yeah. produce this thing. Yeah. No, that's all. That's all true. Apparently, is Robert it? De Niro is cast in this. Where, where's the okay? Where's the and Irish, Martin Scorsese where, is. Where, where's the Irish? Where's the man? Irish? Yeah, it's the, in. Po- it's probably in post cred because they had to uh, de-age fucking Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro for that thing. Yeah. You know. Oh man. Oh. You know. Ugh. You know what bums me out? What? Robert De Niro's an anti-vaxer. Yeah. Yeah. He's that's the hill he's willing to die on, I guess. Well. He would die if he hadn't been vaccinated. <laughs> that's right. So, anyways, that's the only thing I could uh, scrounge up for you, home dog. Okay. Um, what, what do I got for you? Uh, hey, that house on Haunted Hill. That it's it's coming out uh, from Netflix. The by our boy Flanagan. Yeah, Mike Flanagan. It's Big like October twelfth. Flanagan. So it like, comes out on October twelfth. I think so. Yep. Right cool. b- before Halloween, so people could watch it in time before Halloween, because it's October month. Um, Are you going to waste your precious watching hours on a, a TV series instead of a? Uh, unlikely, because well, that's and that's a bigger thing. So I feel like the the bloom is off the rose of uh, the Netflix series. Like you have to be a pretty committed type of person to like get through a lot of these series because there's like a new series every single week and i mean sure is i I haven't watched one in years um i mean even like i I just don't have time yeah makes no sense i I can't i can't even log it on letterbox what's the point yeah that's what it that's what it really is Mm -hmm. that's what it really comes down to jared Mm -hmm. so yeah uh that's cool uh, yeah. make, make movies again. Um, also actually one thing I just found out that's kind of neat is Batman. The animated series is coming to a complete Blu-ray collection. Bad man. Bat. Oh, Batman. Batman. I was going to say, what is bad man? Is that that Japanese rape anime? Uh, it could, it, I'm sure. Yeah, or is that rape man? That already came out in, in, okay. a, in a premium Blu-ray collector set or something. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Bat. Man, the animated series, the Batman. Yeah, the, the yeah. You didn't know about that, you chump. I did not know it was coming to Blu-ray. Are you some sort of chump? Well, I'm glad it's coming out with one big set. That's juicy. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah. It's been a long time. People wanted that for a long time. That, sh- that show is pretty awesome. Yeah. Like Batman. Way cooler yeah. than Alec Baldwin. Well, I don't know. Alec Baldwin seems okay. Yeah. And uh, we didn't talk about it last week, but uh, uh, or I don't know when it was announced, but uh, old Big Ben Affleck, he's, he's hit the skids. He's in rehab. Again. Blown up. Yeah, I uh, I hear his future Batman futures are up in the air because uh, apparently he's going to be a lot of money to insure to mm. have in movies now, which sounds like a made-up thing, but I don't know. Yeah, that sounds stupid. That sounds like uh, Marvel bullshit so that some fans are all on about. Yeah. Because seriously, I don't know. I don't know, Jared. All I know is that I don't care. Yeah. But I want to see Ben Affleck punch some dudes, so. No. There's, you can always go back in time, watch Reindeer Games or something. Reindeer Games? Yeah. Get out of here with that Reindeer Games. <laughs> Fuck. That's it for me. That's, that's, uh-huh. that's, that's news time. Uh, we got a movie to watch and talk about. We, we already watched it, I hope. After nope. the After the break, um, we're going to problems with what ladies, kind of problems with ladies and nazis the worst kind of problems it's like everybody's problems now <laughs> it's true it's all twitter is that's that's mm-hmm. what closely watched twitter mm. Am I right cinematic ingenuity, comic brilliance, and a charming and poignant comprehension of the psychology of sex.
went on to say that the scene depicting the seduction of a girl telegrapher is surely one of the great comic erotic sequences in film history. Be sure to watch for Closely Watch Trains. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Closely Watched Trains from 1966, directed by Jerry Menzel. Uh, the tagline here from Letterboxd, all it takes to make a man of a boy is a woman. In a small town mm-hmm. still occupied by the Germans as World War II's tide is turning toward the Allies, apprentice train watcher Milos is oblivious to the war. Instead, he's obsessed with having his first sexual experience. Despite the favors of train conductor Massa, Milos has no luck. His quest leads him to a female resistance fighter who, in passing, recruits him to the cause. As Milos finally finds love, danger draws closer. So, uh, I had never seen this movie before. Uh, I was unfamiliar with it. Uh, It was just kind of one of those movies that was sandwiched in between other Criterion movies I did know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of like the same thing with the uh, shop on Main Street, where it was this movie that was like, oh, yeah, Czechoslovakian, no one talks about it. <laughs> uh, but in that situation, it turned out really well because that movie is pretty, pretty damn good. Closely watched trains. <sighs> what do I say about this movie? It's kind of mm-hmm. what it's, it, it, I kept having thoughts about. This is the sort of movie that gets nominated nowadays for like best foreign film. And nobody really feels strongly about it after the fact. Uh, It's just like, oh, here's a movie that was made in another country with people who don't speak English. Uh, But there's nothing in particular about it that's like makes it jump out other than the fact that, yes, here's a movie. Um. (laughs) I I think maybe... With the placement in the criterion, maybe if it was a double pack or something, it would have made more sense. Well, so it's, but it's not the same people or anything like nope, that. Yeah, so it nope, doesn't. So it is make... another Czechoslovakian film. Yeah, about uh, World War Two. Set, set during World War Two. One definitely is like deals with a specific element of what was going on in World War Two, which was yeah. the 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 setup of. Uh, the Holocaust and uh, how people would deal with that and the horror of that. And like, it was also, it also kind of did the kind of light comedy stuff uh, better, right? It seems like it, it worked yep. better there. And this is more of like an outright comedy for the most part, like, or it, it's, it's like a sex comedy, yeah. but it's like, a, it's a black and white European sex comedy from 1966 set during world war two. The most and, romantic of the eras. Yeah. And it's, but it's like also like kind of dry. Um, like I'd say that probably the uh, funniest parts for me were like kind of right off the bat with the description of this guy's Milos's like family history with like his, uh, the, the laid up veteran, uh, the hypnotist mm-hmm. grandfather and stuff like that. Like that stuff was like. You, you know what that really reminded me of? What's that? Wes Anderson. 
A little bit. A little because bit. Because it's like people talking and it like lots of cuts to what he's talking about. It's like, this was my grandpa. He was, he uh, drank the bottle. This was my other grandpa. He was hypnotist. And it's like, he stood up to t- tanks. Tanks stopped. But think, then they started again so, and ran him over. So, so think about how like fantastic the same movie would be if Wes Anderson directed it. Yes. Yeah. I agree. But yeah. one last thing on, on that intro, one thing I thought was super funny was how he was talking about his how his one grandpa would go down to the workers and he would make fun of them. Oh, fuck. He would make fun of the blue collar workers. Uh, and then they, work they, so beat hard. Him, they beat the shit out of them. And he was actually eventually beat to death. Cause, cause, yeah. No, that's that's hilarious. This idea it's, it's of this like funny. this laid up drunk veteran who just like goes, he spends his days making fun of people who have to work for a living, and he just gets beat up until finally he's killed. Yeah, that's that is really weird and funny. Um, and I was like, cool. Uh, I'm hoping there's more of this for the rest of the movie. And there's really not because uh, like the follow up to that is like the hypnotist grandfather that like. Again, like kind of a cool idea, and like get this awesome yeah. photo of a hypnotist, like the classic hypnotist, and this idea that like when trains or uh, when uh, tanks were making their way to Prague, <laughs> he like stood in the way of the tr- of the the tanks, and he, he went to him in square he, style. Yeah, yeah, he hypnotized them, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then it didn't work, and he just got decapitated under the treads. Um, yeah, so that's that's good. I like that. That was good. Um, yeah, and then there's just the rest of the movie that kind of happens. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like some highlights, I guess. There's like pervy uncle photographer who's just like who's really hashtag me tooing all over you, the place. You would like that guy, <laughs> creep. He's he's just got like hands inside butt cheeks. He's like, there you go, doll. Yeah, lots of brushing of breasts and lots of tee hee 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 hee. Do you I think like that pe- stuff still works? Uh probably. You gotta have the right. You gotta have the right energy, though. You gotta have the mm-hmm. ability to pull that off and, and make them feel like they wanted this all along. Some real, some real mind games, or not. And it was Someone's never. T- and it was mm-hmm. never okay. And it's just, uh, wow, comedy, huh? Sex comedy. I, I hope someone takes that quote out of context, and Jared will say they wanted this. <laughs> Couldn't you tell? I'm going to do that. Anyways, yeah. I'm going to be your downfall. Continue about Continue. closely watched trains. So, uh, this movie is all about getting laid. Yes, it is. Getting paid and getting laid, baby. Yeah. Um, so, the movie set during the war, uh, but the war is definitely the backdrop. So, I wonder if that was like a challenge. Maybe the director set out for themselves to make a movie mm-hmm. about war. But it's like, let's not make a movie about war and get dreary. Let's make a movie about sex because death and <laughs> sex. I mean, this is life itself that's kind of like it feels like that type of idea but then when they actually had a script that they were working on and fleshing out it was kind of like oh this is what we got we got a train station mm-hmm. and we got these character these colorful characters and their interactions and like ladies that just throw themselves at these guys in stamps like women getting stamped on and uh like lots of animal death uh, uh, yeah, uh, a, a little too much for me. Uh, my, I hit my cap at, uh, all the screaming rabbits. Uh, I thought that was a little much. The, the, the rabbit punch, uh, right off the bat, I think was the uh-huh. one that was like, Ooh, and then the talk of gouging out bull eyes that doesn't happen, but I'm like, is that really going to solve your problem? No, uh, speaking Jared, yeah, from experience, I, yeah. Uh, working in the ring at a cattle auction market, 
Um, sometimes you have animals that come in that are blind. Like, cause sometimes when cows get old, they get like that, you know, animals go blind sometimes. Uh, when they're blind, they're either like real nice and quiet or they're fucking crazy because right. they can't see and they're like scared. So I imagine if a bull was blind, especially if you were like hurting it, it would fucking lose its mind. So I don't know where they got that stat from and who tried that out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, talking about moving, I, I thought it was weird the way they're talking about it. And they're like, those Germans, they're animals. They're moving, they're moving the cows on here and they're so thin. And he's like, oh, it's shameful, mm-hmm. shameful. These Germans, these Germans. Those Germans. Yeah, and then at the end you get that German, ah, oh, these Czechoslovakians, mm-hmm. they're animals. Nationalism, like, man, that's what it gets you. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Anyways, yeah, a lot of animal abuse in this Law, bad boy. Yeah, that uh, was like a, like a swan or turkey or some sort of big bird getting all massaged up. Big getting, bird? Get, getting dressed, fed down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that happens, buddy. Yeah. world. The world's a harsh place. Um, so yeah, this movie is kind of just about this Milos fella and him, uh, he's trying to like have a job, uh, like kind of like his dad, but like where he's known in the town as being like mm-hmm. coming from a family of layabouts and people who don't want to work, which <laughs> is kind of funny. Uh, his dad like retired young and everyone like resents him because now he just like lays around in bed, does like, he doesn't even talk. He just like, mm-hmm. oh, he checks his clock, his watch absentmindedly and looks and checks on the train, like still doing his job but has nothing else better to do and people hate him for it. And so the kids now, uh, got his job and, uh, but he's got, he's got sex on the mind. What? He's got sex on the mind. Oh shit. Can't shake it. So yeah, you, I kind I kind of watched this thinking about comedy and we've talked about this every time we've come across these comedies. It's either Mm -hmm. it works for you or it doesn't. Uh, mm-hmm. this is just feels like, it's like, yeah, this is a European kind of dry comedy about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the, the photography of it varies between like being good, being fine, being kind of like, eh, nothing special at all. So, just a few times you're like, oh, that's a nice shot, but nothing mm-hmm. like, wow, this, this, this thing is beautiful. What a beautiful piece of film. Um, Mm-hmm. There's some suicide that, like, I feel kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, and, yeah. like, again, it's actually when you brought up Wes Anderson, it's like, oh, yeah, because that, 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 this, when I think of like kind of these like dramatic suicides that kind of like come out of nowhere, it's Royal Tenenbaums mm-hmm. for me. Um, yeah. But. This movie has a Tenenbaum feel with the uh, magician grandpa mm-hmm. and uh, the beat to death grandpa. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny you say that, though, because I also thought that this movie was like a real quirky comedy until the suicide and then i was like oh weird but then like i i feel like they play it off a little bit and i was yeah. like okay i'm on to it or i'm on to what you got here but then i feel like it then it turns into like an espionage film and i was like that's out of nowhere like i thought that one was both of them the suicide and and then like when it's the train guy's espionage i was like where did this kind of come from yeah so anyways that, that was my thoughts there <laughs> right um, another things that I kind of liked about this was there's this one scene where, uh, we get these SS dudes who, you know, got big skulls in their hats, taking, uh, Milos away for some reason. And mm-hmm. th- there's this really jaunty music as they're going through the countryside and the, the train conductor gets to take the train himself. And, uh, then he's, he gets let go mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, 
my last <laughs> note, yeah, lots of fucking dead animals kicking around these parts. <laughs> but that's uh, that's Europe for you and the whole world. Lots of dead animals. Hey, RJ. Wow. Um, what, what did you think of this closely watched trains? Uh, I don't think they were watching close enough. No, they, they had the, they had all that pussy on their mind. Oh, gross. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, Anyways, uh, yeah. Hey, these Czechoslovakians are good-looking broads. That hey, Europe. They have dead animals and good-looking broads kicking. Good-looking broads. Um. I thought closely watched trains was all right. I think you and me are on the same page here, especially because last week was a surprise all time banger. And then this week it was like, Hey, it's the exact same kind of thing. Same country, same style of movie almost. And we're like, Oh yeah, sweet. But then, uh, our, we got our hopes up. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the lesson learned. Yeah. It's the lesson learned. Uh, I think, I don't know. I, I feel like this movie, is good at parts, but I think a lot of it, it doesn't really hit with me. So it's a quirky comedy. It's like a coming of age for this guy. But then like we were saying, there's the suicide and the espionage element that pop in here. And like, I kind of get it to an extent, like where it's this world war two backdrop, because maybe what they were trying to say is like, well, even at war, like you had young men in war. So they were still like growing up and they still fell in love. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably true. But uh, at the same time, I don't think that the two things work super well together. Um, and not not always. There are times where I think it does work, like uh, when some of the Nazi guys come to the train station and it's the comedy bit where they're talking about how there's all these like tactful withdrawals. They're like, we tactif- tactif- tactfully... Yeah, that's it. Uh, withdrawn from this area and we withdrawn from that area. And the guy's like, isn't that bad? He's like, no, it's all part of our plan. So there's like stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that kind of works. And then seeing the way other people kind of interact with each other because of what's going on. I think that also kind of works more or less. But I don't know. I think the, the elements that were comedy that worked for me, I thought were really funny. Like we talked about the intro. I really like that. Uh, I liked the pigeon man. Um, mm. That was a good good spot. Uh, there is, there's like some s- subtle scenes where there's one where he teaches the guy how to salute, and then it cuts to an old guy like in the distance, and he like smiles. He's like, "Good job, son." Like I don't know why I thought that was really funny, <laughs> but there's there's like stuff like that, and then even when they're trying to like rationalize his suicide attempt, and he's talking about how he like premature ejaculates. And the guy's like, oh, you're too healthy. It's a good sign. Classic sign of being too healthy is, uh, you know, prematurely ejaculating. And, and the guy's like, oh, it makes total sense. And everyone's like, yeah, it makes total sense. Dude just got to get uh, dip his candle in the wick there a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's not how that – it's close enough. But uh, you have that. And then you have this guy who I don't think is at all believable heartthrob sex addict. Uh, well, I, he might be a sex addict, but I don't buy him off as this lady killer guy because no. he's like kind of frumpy and he's bald and he's old and he works at this train station, but he's getting all these sweet young girls and you're just like, uh, virile, like, virile. Yeah. You have uh, the stamp scene where he's stamping some buttocks mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, this is a weird like sensually erotic scene to be in this 60s Czechoslovakian film. Mm-hmm. 
And then you have like the the payoff with that, all the or not the payoff, like the buildup with the consequences, where the grandma's like, uh, her her butt is stamped. I'm taking this to the Supreme Court. And then, like, it goes to the court and all the old men look at this young girl's butt. And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, because she, like, farted or something. No. And the guy, the she, guy, cause, the cause guy's she's enjoying it. She's enjoying this sweet attention. I, I, I know. It's not, all, a, it's not all butts and dumps. It is all butts and dumps, as seen in this movie, which was a good focus, was on butts. But you have that. And I think it goes on too long. Because it's like, I'm going to take it to the court. And they're like, oh, you got to take it to the trains. And then it goes to the train people, too. And I was like, eh. It's like, this is, it's going on too long. Um, But then, I don't know. See, this is a weird, like, back and forth for me. Like, there's scenes I don't think work. And then there's scenes that I think did work kind of well. Like, one scene I thought was okay was when the, like, uh, disgruntled soldiers come across the nurses. And then they just go on the train. And it's a big orgy for, like, five minutes. I was like, I don't know where this came from. I'm kind of into it. I don't know if it belongs here. I guess it does because this movie's all about sex. Yeah. But there's like that stuff. I think the guy is really not, uh, really cute because the sex pervert is always talking to the kid. He's like, what's your girl like? And he's like, she's a nice girl. <laughs> and then he runs away. And I was like, that's cute. That would be like a Wes Anderson uh, main <laughs> character. Like, a, you know, a Rushmore type or I don't know, Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah. Someone young, like one of the young people in that movie. Right. So, I don't know, Jared. Did you know, I think this, so RJ, yeah. this movie, like uh, Shop on the Main Street, won Best Foreign Film the following year. It did. So, is that why that's it's yeah, here, I guess? Yeah, I mean. More or less. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of crazy. Two years in a row, at least there, that uh, you had two uh, Czechoslovakian new wave films taking those uh, Best Foreign Films back to back. It's quite the coup. That is a coup d'état. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, Paris. Oh, are we speaking French now? No. Anyways, I think this ending has a killer explo- uh, killer explosion. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, awesome. it, it, it's got wicked effects. The way everyone just gets blown out. I was like, yeah. I was like, that's pretty cool. Uh, but it also ends on a bummer, too. Mm-hmm. So I think this movie is a weird seesaw between, like, real quirky and then kind of depressing and like that's obviously very intentional because yeah. it's like, it's like real man, life. yeah, it's like life is tough, especially at war. But I think it's, I don't know, it's all right. It's not bad or anything yeah. like that. It's just it's not great. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess this movie was like quite popular in its day. Really? Yeah, American audiences uh, were digging it. They're the ones that had access to this movie, which were like, you know, New York and Los Angeles probably. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I know it's probably of these types of movies, I guess, because it's comedy. Um, mm. And the movie does have like a different vibe to it, like the, the editing and stuff like that, um, the the setups and whatnot. And like the way mm-hmm. the story's told is like, it feels kind of like the post French New Wave kind of experimentation that's going on. Uh, yeah. The, the, again, the black and white photography and stuff like that. Kind of a looser uh storytelling but at the yeah. same time it's like to to the service of something I, that i don't know it never really hits it's, it doesn't feel as well made as i think people like this movie feels like uh filmmaking figuring itself out mm-hmm. 
Um, it's based on a novel that came out like in 1965 uh, by a Czech author, Of Obviously, that's exactly how it's pronounced. Oh, yeah. yeah. Old Bohumeral. Yeah. Um, he adapted something previous. Uh, Yajiri uh, adapted a previous work by him. And yeah, a bunch of other things that you can just read for yourself someday. I could read that for myself yeah. someday. Because and, and we're not going to tell you. Exactly. You sometimes think dead is better. Sometimes dead is better. Truer words, my friend. Truer yeah. words. That's right. So then. So then. This is a movie we watched called Closely Watched Trains. Yep. Uh, like I said, there's like, I don't know, kind of uh, indifference, I guess, at the end of the not, day for me. Uh, not enough trains, in my opinion. Again, explaining comedy on a podcast, it's... It's tough to do. The the, um, the 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 themes of it didn't resonate with me very strongly. I never like I didn't like. Yeah. Go like man, this is something I really wanted to talk about. Are you saying that you weren't a teenager in World War Two Czechoslovakia that was suffering from premature ejaculation? Well, and if I were, I don't know if I'd be like, oh man, better go kill myself now. Well, he doesn't do. Oh, well, actually, yeah, that's exactly what happens. It's yeah. it's, it's kind of. I like, thought that scene was really actually. Now that we're on it, I thought it was really touching the way that that big that big man breaks into the room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. Or, or the, uh, I like the, that scene. The, the, the staging of him uh, bandaging up, or kind of like after he's like bandaged up his wrists and he's carrying him down yeah. the stairs. He's it's mm-hmm. very uh, very Christ like. Uh, yeah, I uh, I like that scene. I thought that scene was really good. So it's like, like I was saying earlier. It's like a 50-50 thing, I yeah. think, for this movie where 50% of it, I was, I was, yeah, yeah, this is a good show. And then 50% of it, I'm just, nah, it's it's all right. So it's very in the middle of the road, as yeah. Jared would say sometimes. And, and it's like, yeah, and at, the, at its running time too, it's kind of like I was, you know, checking my watch, kind of being like, oh, this is wrapping up mm-hmm. now. That's good. I'm, I'm good now. Yep. Whereas uh, Shop on Main Street, uh, that movie was – like I was stopping to like, cause I was like, oh man, it's getting too tense. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't take this. And I can't bend back to it and be like, oh man, I got to stop again. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to, don't want to root. don't want to spoil it. Got to, oh man, here we go. This was just like, okay, it's, it's getting over with. Yeah. It's getting over with. All right. Yeah. But I wonder RJ, hmm. are there people who hate this movie? And, uh, I don't, I would say there shouldn't be. Yeah. But there probably will be. There always is. There's always there somebody. always is. Unless yeah. it's something that nobody watches, like documentaries about uh, Danish filmmakers. Mm. Um, but here we go. Uh, Ray Westhead, half a star. Mm. Um, what does he got to say here? I'm going to make this text a little bit bigger. On second <laughs> thought, I thought about it some more and no. Is that all he said? Yep. Okay, well, he's not telling you about the five stars he gave to Deadpool. He's not telling you about the five stars he gave to Deadpool 2. He's not telling you about the five stars he gave to Avengers Infinity War. Weirdly, he claims his favorite films are uh, The Witch, I Saw the Devil, Room, and my favorite movie of all time, Swiss Army Man. So I don't know what this guy's deal is. He seems all over the place. Hmm. <laughs> Sam Mitchell, half a star. This is a story that didn't need to be told. A simple boy coming to age with his sexuality. 
but that's like 18 movies a year is that story and people eat that shit up like all the time you know hey okay i think i've stumbled onto something weird here jared Uh oh the sam mitchell her favorite movies are uh harold and maude your name also i saw the devil and also swiss army man the weird thing though is in the recent activity they both have grave of the fireflies and they both have a movie called mother krampus What's going on here? Maybe they're hey, maybe they're together. And they both have twelve angry men in their recent movies. Well, they both well, well they watched this movie five days apart, so maybe they're a part of a film club. I I figured it out. They're both from Ohio, and they're both film students. Ah, uh, uh, one thing I have to mention though. Uh, this Sam Mitchell girl has a list for worst films I've ever seen. Uh, she has uh, two movies that I disagree with completely. Uh, one is Spice World, and uh, one is the movie Once, which is about folk singers, which is actually really good. Uh, and then he had, or she has Tusk, closely watched Trains, and Happiness. <laughs> and this Ray Westhead person commented. Closely watched trains is the bane of my existence. Don't forget once though. What is it? What does that mean? And this other person says, I refuse to watch once. What do all these people have against once? That's a good movie. What the fuck? Hmm. What is going on, Jarrett? I've never seen once. So um, I, I bet it got shit on in this film class. Oh yeah. And these people are like really preaching, uh, whatever they're learning that movies it's about like two singers that were real life singers and they made the music for the movie and won like an Oscar yeah. for music. <laughs> what, the f- what? Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. These Ohio film students are fucking pretentious as fuck. <laughs> Jeez. Cripes. Was there anyone else that? Yeah. Uh, Rich Corley. Rich Corley. All right, let me find this. This is two and a half stars. Okay. This is a pretty standard coming-of-age tale dressed in the guise of an art film. Although there's the usual World War II seriousness, I just failed to see what makes this one of the great Czech films of all time. Our main character is about as dull as can be, and it's nearly impossible to feel any sympathy for his plight. Midway through the film, if the main character attempts suicide and you don't care remotely, then the film is doing something wrong. The rest of the Mm -hmm. film is essentially lowbrow comedy mixed with Fellini's sex elements ripped off to an incredible degree. Overrated. (laughs) Um, It sounds like a common criticism I have of movies where I'm like, if they can't make you feel something, which I stick by. I don't think this movie's that bad for it. Uh, This Rich Corley, their avatar is from Amadeus. They're big fans of The Bridge on the River Kwai, Nashville. Uh, the mm. life and death of Colonel Blimp. I don't know what that is. That's a that's a criterion. Dawn of the Dead. Mm, okay, this person doesn't know what they're doing. They gave Possession four and a half stars, which I agree with. But they gave Jules and Jim two and a half stars, which is way out of way out of bounds. Way out of bounds. Man, oh man. Man, oh man. Well. Well. Yeah. Movies, hey. Movies making podcasts. Mm, uh discussion yeah here we are yeah movies and uh we do a podcast about movies and we uh hardly ever drift or wander not at all not at all not at all 
Well, I think that's it on this train. Um, after uh-huh. after the break, RJ is going to join the resistance and get killed for his troubles. And will anyone even know? Only only his uh, Red Sox hat will remain. Ooh, <laughs> fucking poetic, man. RJ, if you were to remake closely watched trains, what would you do differently? Uh, I would change the species of all the people to some sort of bug and uh, like an ant colony. And I would have it. um, I would cast Woody Allen as one of the lead ants and I would cast Sylvester Stallone as uh, a different ant. And it would be more about class systems in in the anthill. What do you call it? Closely watched trains? Yes, with multiple Zs. Because uh, ants move kind of like in a train. You see what I did? What you if, see? What if like another studio decides to make a movie also remaking closely watched trains and also about ants? Well, as long as it's not a movie about other bugs like grasshoppers uh, against like ants and caterpillars and saving up for harvest and stuff like that. Does Dave fully play into this at all? He could. Uh, I don't know. Uh, James Woods could probably be in it somewhere. Fascinating. Hmm. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us your uh, dream cast for a closely mm. watched trains remake starring ants. We've mm-hmm. got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on the letterbox. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We're on YouTube. We've got a Patreon. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, all that good stuff. Next week, Spine 132. The Ruling Class from 1972, directed by Peter Medic, starring Lawrence of Arabia and an Ebenezer Scrooge. Start. What? What is the movie we're watching? (laughs) The Ruling Class. Oh. Alright. Uh, I've seen this movie and it's been not that long either. So I mm. I'm actually very curious what you're gonna make of this movie. Uh it sounds made up. It's, and, very, uh, it's very British and very seventies. Uh, sounds like um a Louis Benwell movie. It actually kind of is a little Louis Benwell ish. Oh man! Hey, there's been a hundred and fifty-five minutes. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Better start watching. Oh my god. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll say no more. But uh, we'll talk about it next week because we don't have a choice. Uh huh. Go, uh, go have fun out there in the world, RJ. I free you from the podcast you free me? for another week. I think I'm going to the casino. Fantastic. Uh. Gamble that money you don't have. That's what it's all about.
make your fortunes illicitly. But if I win, yeah, yeah. Good night. Oh.